0: about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire.
1: Peace be with you. Friends, we come again to the great season of Advent, waiting on the coming of the Lord. Our first reading puts us squarely in the thought world of one of the greatest of the prophets, namely Isaiah. The master image that the passage presents is that of Yahweh's holy mountain. Listen. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest mountain and raised above the hills. I want you to stay with that image, savoring it in your mind's eye. The mountain in question is Mount Zion, Jerusalem. We know this because Isaiah designates it as the mountain of the Lord's house, which is to say the temple. So this great mountain rising above the other hills, above the other mountains, on the top of it is the temple, the place of right praise. So, here's the first lesson or exhortation from Isaiah. It's a great Advent exhortation. Is the mountain of the Lord's house really the highest mountain in your life? Is the praise and worship of God more important to you than anything else? Is it more important than your job? Is it more important than your friendships? Is it more important even than your own family, the people you love the most? If not, something is off kilter in your life. So there's the point of meditation, everybody. What's the highest mountain for you? We've all got one. A lot of mountains, a lot of hills, a lot of things that preoccupy us. But amidst all of it, there's a highest mountain. What is it for you? If it's not the mountain of the Lord's house, something will go wrong. It's a very simple way to state that. If you don't have the love of God first in your heart, then you will not know what to do with the other goods of your life. You see what I mean? If you've got wealth and power and pleasure and all kinds of good things, but you don't have the love of God, you won't know what to do with them. And they will, at the end of the day, destroy you. But if the love of God is the highest mountain, then you will know what to do with the other goods in your life. Now listen as Isaiah goes on. He says, All the nations shall stream toward this holy mountain. This is a properly eschatological reference. Israel did indeed hope that all the peoples of the world would be drawn in by the beauty of Israel's worship. But for our purposes, as Advent begins, let's put this in a more down-to-earth register. Does every nation in you stream toward Jerusalem? What do I mean? Well, is your private life ordered to God and his purposes? Is your professional life attuned to the worship of God? Is your family life under the aegis of God? Does your mind belong to Jerusalem? See, I'm driving it. Your mind seeks all sorts of things. Your mind is preoccupied with all sorts of of things in the course of a day. Is it above all preoccupied with the things of God? Searching out God's purpose, searching out the meaning of life, or is your mind filled with a lot of garbage? Is your mind preoccupied with a lot of trivial matters? Does your mind stream toward Jerusalem? How about your will? The will that seeks all sorts of good things. Does it seek above all the praise and worship of God? Or is your will preoccupied with all sorts of relatively trivial things? How about your passions? Do your passions stream toward Jerusalem? Or are they a conflicting mass of energy? Now here, now there, seeking this good, now that good. Are the passions in your heart ordered to God? How about your friendships? Are they streaming toward Jerusalem? Do they conduce toward a deeper relationship with God? Or are your friendships leading you astray? The point is, everything in you should go up to Jerusalem, which is the highest mountain. Listen now as Isaiah goes on. Come, let us climb the Lord's mountain to the house of the God of Jacob that he may instruct us in his ways, and we may walk in his paths. People came to the Jerusalem temple to be instructed in the law. They got their marching orders, if you want, their orientation from this teaching. Well, as you know, today, an ideological secularism more or less holds sway. Where do people today, especially young people, get their instruction from? Well, largely from the internet, from films, from music, from the avatars of the marketplace, et cetera. Et cetera. Again, nothing wrong with these things in themselves. But when they become the determiner of value, they become the place that we go for instruction. Something is the matter. Where do you go? Be honest now. Where do you go to find the deepest purpose and meaning in your life? Where do you go for instruction? You know, 75% of Catholics stay away from Mass on a regular basis. That's telling me they're going somewhere else for their instruction. You know, I saw a snippet of a movie recently, and it showed two young guys, two young men, making their way through the ruins of a church. So there were symbols of the church still there, but it was a church that had been long out of use. The one friend says to the other, people used to come to church for answers, but now no one goes to church. And his friend replies, yeah, now they go to Google. He's the God, I guess, who actually has answers because well, it meant to be a little toss-away uh, line, but I must say I, I thought a lot about that. It's a sad commentary in our times. Yes, indeed, people used to go to church to find the deepest answers. Going to church is our version of going up to Jerusalem for instruction, to seek wisdom from this ancient religious tradition. Now, as the kids said in the movie, no one goes to church anymore. They go to Google, so yeah, you can find lots of answers on Google. I use it all the time. You can find lots of answers on Google. But search all you want on Google, you're not going to find the answers to the deepest and most abiding questions. Google's the God who has answers. Yeah, God with a small G, answers with a very small A. You know what I'm saying? But when we go there for instruction, we should expect trouble. Then we hear this. He shall judge between the nations and impose terms on many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. One nation shall not raise the sword against another. Friends, here we come up against one of the most important principles in the spiritual life. Namely, that the worship of God is the only real ground for peace. Let me say that again. The worship of God is the only true ground for peace. Let me tell you why this is the case. All the goods of the world, wealth, honor, pleasure, power, etc., are necessarily finite in form. I mean, there's only so much wealth to go around. There's only so much honor and power to go around. Therefore, when the desire for these things becomes absolute, conflict necessarily follows. Not sometimes, not usually, always. Now, you see it, don't you, in practically every novel you'll read, every film you'll watch. We see it regularly in our own dealings with uh, with people. The struggle for honor, absolutized, necessarily becomes violent. Why? Why? Because honor is limited. If you get honored, that's an honor that I don't have. If you get the award, well, it means I didn't get it. If you're getting everyone's attention, it means I'm not getting it. Go back to um, the first book of Samuel. You know? Oh, S- Saul slew his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. And immediately Saul was consumed by jealousy. There's only so much honor to go around. David's getting honored, now Saul's not getting honored violence ensues. Same with power. Struggle for power, absolutized, necessarily becomes violent because there's only so much power to go around. And if you've got it, that means I don't have it. Someone gets to the top of the greasy pole, they become uh, the most powerful person, that means everyone else is excluded. If all those people have an absolutized desire for power, Conflict will ensue. But now listen. The only good that is unlimited is God. God's infinite. And this means that God can be desired absolutely and by everyone, but in a non-conflictual way. Does that make sense? Precisely because God's infinite, God can be absolutely desired by everybody in a non-conflictual way. We can all love the Lord our God with all our hearts, all our souls, all our strength. And this conduces not to struggle, jealousy, and violence, but to peace. That's why, as I've often said, we have the formula, glory to God in the highest, and peace to his people on earth. That's a formula for spiritual peace. Everybody loves God, absolutely. Peace will break out. That's why on God's holy mountain, where God is being worshipped by everybody, we can beat our swords into plowshares, the instruments of violence becoming instruments of cultivation. And all this leads to the beautiful concluding line of our reading, O house of Jacob, come, Let us walk in the light of the Lord. This great exhortation of the prophet Isaiah rings out across 2,600 years to reach our ears today. Stop walking in the ways of hatred, rivalry, jealousy, competition, violence, and warfare. It is possible to walk according to a different light. God bless you.
0: I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor. Here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love.